Thank you. It's my pleasure to be talking with you, Lee. Um, I'd say it's going to be quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I am sure it is. I've looked forward to this for, for some time now. L Lorna, there are a million things we could talk about, but since this is a show primarily about near-death experience, I wonder if you would begin by telling us about your near and shared death experiences and what you've seen of heaven. It's um, what way would I start? I, I suppose maybe just tell you about the ones that are in the book, but I have many have, have happened on, on different occasions. I always say, you know, I look healthy and strong and the doctors to say, Lorna, you're a miracle. We don't know how you're here. Um, I always remember the one that, you know, when I was pregnant and, you know, my soul going with my baby mm. to heaven and being told I couldn't go. I had to go back. And just seeing that beautiful angel standing in front of me, I would say, like, in a human way, at the gates of heaven. In, yes. you know, um, as, as I went through that tunnel of light and and it twisted, you know, it curved and, you know, then, then being stopped by this angel and just seeing this incredible angel, so, so, so bright, but yet, you know, so much love and tenderness coming from the angel and the angel having its its arms reached out you know to to take my baby and just telling me i couldn't go it wasn't my time and of course i i knew i couldn't but i still wanted to because when when your human body dies there's there's no pain there is just love um, it's it's so incredible. And that's one thing I would love people to understand is, you know, it's only your human body dies, you live, and heaven does exist. God exists, angels do. Um, and each and every one of us has, you know, that soul, that spark of light of God. And on that particular day, even looking back down through that light, through that tunnel, and seeing Joe begging me to come back, you know, because I had died for for a moment. But that is, I suppose, because I left my little baby in heaven, you know, um, and just remembering his his smile, you know, and his blue eyes looking up at me while I was standing in front of the angel and handing my baby over and coming back. One thing that you've described is how our guardian angels carry the soul of a deceased person up to heaven. And you were the child's guardian angel, weren't you, in that in that yeah, instance? In, in that in that instance, yes. I my my soul went with my baby um at that time. And that is one wonderful thing I have often seen many, many times is what would I say in that tunnel, you know, that that spirals, it always seems to spiral, and just seeing souls going to heaven and their guardian angel with them. Sometimes the guardian angel is actually carrying the soul, you know, and, and to me yeah. that's full of so much tenderness and love, you know, or the holding hands, or or you see the guardian angel, you know, them in conversation together. 
you know, the soul and, and the guardian angel. It's just, um, it's just so, so incredible. And I love hearing that more and more people are having near-death experiences because I think it, it changes your outlook on life. What other visions of heaven have you had during your NDEs? Um, um, well, another one which I describe in the book, and, and I don't know if people realize that's what it is, was another time when my soul was taken from my body and I was brought to heaven. And I was brought to, how can I describe, I tried to describe it so many times in the book, it was like this, this mountain, but the mountain was like sand. And on top of the mountain was this beautiful tree. And I'm kind of shy. So I'm shy into saying it. <laughs> That's my hesitance. But every time I go to heaven, my soul is brought there. I become a child again because we are all children. And I was there to, and now I'm shy again, you know, to play with God, to play with Jesus. And, and that's what we did. We, we climbed the tree. We stepped through the roots. I never wrote everything about it. And, and, and we rolled down the hill, the sand. And I always remember Jesus saying, you know, let's see who will get up the hill first, you know. And I said <laughs> I would. And, and I went. And, and of course, he allowed me to get there first. But there is another part I never wrote about. And that was... You know, how can I say this? I'm asking God, can I tell a little? But I climbed the tree with God, the two of us. We were both children and up in the enormous branches and looking out upon the universe, seeing Earth and seeing everybody. It was like, how would I say? It's just so hard to, to describe, you know, heaven is, when, when you go to heaven, when your soul goes there, it doesn't want to come back. I give out to God every single time when I have to come back. I say, but I don't want to. Why would I? You know, because you're, you're free from everything in that, in that way. But many of us are sent back, you know, and I think most of the time it is, you know, I would say you're being given a second chance. You know, it could be to be more loving and caring. It could be, you know, to unite your family together. It could be to write your experience. It could be to, you know, just to let your family know that, you know, you have a soul. You know, it's that spiritual connection and um, that we all have it's it's that supernatural power that we're in a sense all afraid of and we run from but yet we are what would you say crazy wanting to know more about it in that in that <laughs> way yes you know? and just another time um when i had again i'm kind of shy hesitant you know when i had major surgery you know um, I was gone for 10 minutes The I was in intensive care something like for two weeks I was they had me on everything and 
I always remember the surgeon coming around when I had eventually had, was able to breathe on my own. And he said to me, you know, what's your name? Because he did not expect me to even know my name. Where do you live? And he was absolutely shocked, um, but delighted. <laughs> but, but that was the time I, I went to heaven as well. And how would I say this? I was everywhere in a sense, God helps our souls to adjust back to heaven as well, you know, allows us to see and to feel and to touch everything that that you loved in this world. That's the only way I can des describe it. So I can tell you, I was at a waterfall with all of the angels. God was with me, our lady was with me every every soul of of every every faith in the world and even those those that would say they had none at, at that time and um, heaven is incredible there is there is no words and i i know many of us you know describe the visions of of what god allows you to remember to give us encouragement you know i, I remember the flowers being so big so radiant hmm. but another thing is that our flowers and our planet here on earth is so so beautiful as well wow so i hope that that has helped i just love hearing when people have a near-death experience i don't know if you've had one yourself when i was seven i drowned and had you one drowned. yes now, what was but... your experience <laughs> well it wasn't um I was, uh, my, my uh, seven-year-old body was at the bottom of a lake, and, but my soul was up in a birch tree as I watched my mother rush down to the shore and dive in. <laughs> she found me, found my body, dragged me out, and um, threw me face down over a log and pumped on my back to get the water out of my lungs, she said. But she basically invented CPR in the process because the log under me was doing chest compressions. And that got my heart started again. Um, and I had, uh, uh, I had a bit of memory of traveling toward the light, but I never really got there. I was so um, caught up in my mother's love and her caring, and not only her love, but that she was something I had never realized at seven years old, that she was a channel for God's love to me. And so I was, I had to go back in my body. I just had to be there with her so well that 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 is beautiful that you know that connection of the love between your mom and yourself you know you chose your mom to be your yeah. mom like you know and you loved her unconditionally and just just the thoughts of seeing you sitting on a branch in a tree yourself <laughs> just watching and knowing i'm not going anywhere hurry up mom <laughs> you know, um, fix my body for me. Mm. That that is beautiful. You would hear many stories from children that you know have had near death experiences. You know, I remember one doctor telling me that you know sometimes when they would lose a child during surgery and bring them back, and they would ask the child later on. You know, do you remember anything? They'd ask it in a way that the child wouldn't realize they'd been asked the question. Mm. And 
the child would usually answer, I was in a beautiful place. I was playing with with angels or they would say, you know, I was swimming, I was in the boat, I was flying. There was light all around me. There would be so many stories that um, the surgeons would be told. I wanted to ask you about a vision you had on Moore Street when you were shopping with, for vegetables with your mom, that it suddenly it was as if this this uh, vegetable market turned into paradise. Yeah, that that was in, incredible. Um, that all started with, um, you know, that's where we always went to, to get the fruit because it was the cheapest place to go. And um, I always remember the bag of fruit bursting and, and the lady, you know, had put bad apples into it and all of that kind of yes. <laughs> But the other part was just seeing what the angels did. All the light, all the energy, just, I know I tried to describe it the best I could in the book, just burst forth into the air, just all colors. Um, like stars, like balls, they were bouncing all over the place. And just watching as well at that time, the guardian angel of everyone mm. was just um, me as a child. I I loved it and I wanted to turn and tell my mom, can you not see this? You know, can does, does anyone know what's happening here? And, and that's, that's my life every day. You know, God shows me so many, many things and the angels and, even when I was little and um, my the soul of my little brother, who I didn't know at the time, had died. To me, I was only two, two and a half or whatever. And he was just my little brother and I was playing with him. Yeah. And just when our hands touched, I know you described it there, there was just so many sparks and light and and I felt so much love. And that was when the angels told me, you know, I must keep it a secret, but that my little brother had died before I was born. And it was like in that moment, I understood why sometimes I saw my little brother as an infant in my mom's lap when she'd be asleep in front of the fire. Sometimes this armchair, old armchair, she'd sit in and she'd just fall asleep. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes he would be older than, than me as well. And telling that story has helped so many parents in the world, you know, knowing that that their baby, their little child, regardless of what age, is still alive. And I think that's why God allows near-death experience to happen for people to help to give us more spiritual connection and more understanding that you're not just, you know, flesh and blood. You're a human being, which I always have to remind God over and over again. I just say, I'm <laughs> human as well. Don't forget that. Bit. But you, you have this spiritual side, this soul. That's that spark of light of God. And, and to me, that's the most incredible thing that, that we have. And... If since I was a child and the angels teaching me, they have been my teachers, my best friends, everything, teach me everything I know. I, 
and see angels and, and see the energy and see so much that I don't even talk about. Um, I can't see any reason why you can't. Honestly, I, I just, you know, I had to say, what's wrong? You know, but I think part of it is, what would you say? We're conditioned and people are conditioned to believe in things in a certain way. It's like as if they're in a box and you should be able to open it and, and you should have it there and then in that way where with myself, I suppose I wasn't conditioned because I'm a word dyslexic. Did I get it right? Dyslexic. Yeah. <laughs> and, and way back then in Ireland, you know, if a child had any learning difficulty, they were just kind of ignored and considered retarded. It was kind of, you know, put in a corner. But I had, the angels had just, and I don't know why God chose me. Why didn't he choose you? I I literally don't know. He chose me to interview you. He chose so... me to do this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so there we go. I want to touch briefly on the presence of evil and the story that you told about going fishing with your father and a storm came up and you went into a dilapidated building. Tell us about that. Um, I suppose I, as you know, I don't like talking about this part. um, Yes. But that was the time I was, I was a kid again, like, and I was out with my dad fishing and it just started to lash rain. I always remember that riverbank, it was kind of high in places and there was lots of trees and the, gra- and the ground was uneven and we had to kind of run through it and make our way. And I was um, following my dad, you know, and every now and then he'd look back and he just saw this old, um, kind of cottage that was half fallen down. It had a door, you know, and I always remember that door looking like as if it was closed and my dad pushing it open and we going inside and we felt, I was very scared because the angels, as I was moving along, the angels were telling me something wasn't right. You know, I was going to experience something um, they don't always give me much information. I have to experience it humanly as well as spiritually. And that's another thing I give out to God about. Why couldn't you tell me more? Then I wouldn't kind of be so scared or jump back or, you know, in that in that way. But when my dad opened, burst open that door, one thing I always remember was, how would I say, the gusts of air, you know, the coldness in it. And and yet in another way, it felt warm because it felt like a shelter. You know, we were sheltered from the storm outside and and the chair and, and the table and my dad, you know, going to light a little fire. And then, you know, things changed. You know, um, it didn't like us being there. It was what one would call... I can't I have to try and pronounce the word poltergeist if yes. I'm pronouncing it right. That's exactly it. Yeah. Didn't want us there. And I was all the time 
you know, looking around and, you know, it, it moved quite fast. And then, you know, my dad all of a sudden knew something was wrong. He picked up on it. And I was kind of scared to tell him, you know, and I knew we would be safe because the angels were telling me, it's okay, you will be safe, we'll protect you. And of course, in a child's mind, I was saying, is well, what about my dad? In that, in that way, but I knew he'd be protected. But I always remember when he did get the fire lighting, you know, it bursting up into flames, not in the way that you would light a fire, you know, in a, like as if suddenly there was gas there or something, a jet of gas or, or something in that, in that way. And, you know, the chair, the chair being flung across the room and even the table being moved and, it was scary. I I was scared as a human being, regardless of the angels. Yes, you know, of course. I, I was scared, <laughs> you know. And I always remember my dad just um, grabbing his bag, you know, the fishing bag, the stuff, grabbing it and yeah. grabbing me. And we literally legging it out of there. And it was like, in a sense, I know I didn't write all of this in, in the book because I was always afraid I'd scare people. God would say only so much, mm. only so much, you know, in mm -hmm. little bits. But I always remember, you know, when we went out the door and my dad moved so fast and he pulling me along with him. I didn't feel cold anymore. I felt warm. It was like as if the rain um, didn't bother us anymore. And then later on, the sun came out. I don't know how quickly it, it came. It came out, um, but it didn't want us there at all. But I remember saying a prayer and asking for it to be gone. You know, and of course, I would always ask it to be loved i know. think in the book you described it or an angel described it to you as a creature that had no soul yeah how can such a thing be did you ask the angels that i never asked them that it's like mm -hmm. some creatures in a sense it's like part of creation has no soul like what we have mm -hmm. um and yet I could only feel, even though I was scared and terrified, you know, even with the angels there, I could only feel love. I only wanted, it was like I could feel its pain, mm. its suffering. And I just wanted to, in a sense, even talking about it now, I, I just want, you know, it, it to be loved. And I have asked, and I have been told that God took it to some place where it is loved. And I don't oh. know where that is, so I can't answer every question. <laughs> no. I'm not, told, I'm not told everything, but I have been told a huge amount. And no. I don't, I always have to get permission. Can I tell more? What can I tell? Yes. I want to ask you one more question about evil, and then we'll get off the subject, okay. I promise. You describe in your book a time when Satan was at the gate. Tell us about that. 
and that's a, a hard one. Um, where will I start? I, I suppose I, I was told that, you know, Satan would be coming. They did, they did, God didn't even have to say the name. I knew. Um, and it took months and months and months. I don't know how long it took, but every time it got closer, I could feel it getting closer, if you can understand. It's like he was a million miles away. And I'll say he because... I always say he, you know, yes. miles away. And it's like I could feel the journey of him coming closer and closer over time. And eventually him, Satan being at the gate of of the garden, you know, was a, a you know, like a farm gate, but it was yes. halved in that, in that way. And knowing he was there and just waiting for it was very scary, but I had to trust God, and I did. I mm. trusted God, and I had the faith, even though it was, it was again terrifying. But the poltergeist was nothing on this whatsoever, and you know, then when it did happen, Joe was asleep. The angels awoke me and skipping lots of it, and. Just seeing him in the room, he'd come in. I could feel him coming in, you know, when he came through the gate up, up the yard, in the door. You know, I could feel, I feel oh. him standing there and God was on my right. And I had to say, you know, three times, you know, I trust in God. And it was like having, having that faith just made him go you know I was being tested you know between good and evil I was being tested in the sense to keep the balance it's the only way other way I can explain it to keep that balance um, and I just thank God that I succeeded even though yeah. in the world today it's hard to see that balance Um. So I don't, it was, and, and just to see, it was just such, such darkness, such, such evil. I, I can't, even in the book, I couldn't put it into words. And, and just to see what I called the eyes, um, just red, that was the only color I could put on it, mm. you know, but every time. You know, I denied the darkness, the evil. Um, it just kept moving back and and reaching out and, you know, God's fingers touching God's hand, you know, just giving me the, the strength to to do that and for the balance to to be kept. It was hard, it wasn't it wasn't easy, but I would do it for mankind. Again, any day, anything God asks me to do, I will do. And I think that's why it's important for you to tell that story, because people do encounter evil and and don't know how to deal with it. And you dealt with it just the way it should be dealt with. So, so that will be of benefit to some listeners out there, I'm sure. 
Okay. <laughs> you saw the angel of mother's love. Tell us about that. Oh, an angel of mother's love. That's the, that's the queen of angels. Um, what we call the mother of God and um, the mother of all souls. And that, that happened when I was living in, in Maynooth and I was married and um, to make the story short, you know, again, I was being told that, you know, a special angel was going to come. And, and sometimes when I'm told that by Archangel Michael or one of the other angels, it doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow. Mm. Months could pass, even years could pass. And then all of a sudden, I know today is the day, mm. you know, or or it's getting closer and... I always remember, you know, being in the kitchen um, leaving the room. I'm, I'm, I'm making it a bit shorter and all of the angels there and, and being told and opening the door into the other room. And, and there she was, um, the queen of angels, just standing there um, just so, so radiant. The, the only way I could describe her dress is like a fiery red. You know, all, you know, those colours. Mm. Um, and the crown on her head and her hair and just her eyes. And it was, you know, the, the hair was plaited, but it was like, you know, like silk treads plaited in with, with what I would call emeralds, diamonds, whatever... I didn't know those what they really looked like, but these, this is what they they just and, and that crown on her head, and just when she said, you know, did I know who she was? You know, I did in my heart. And she told me, you know, she was the queen of angels, the queen of of mankind, the queen of all souls, the the mother of God. You know, she's there to intercede for us. She's not just the queen of angels. And I know people mm. think that, but no, no, not not just the queen of angels. Um, and I saw her many times as a child as well. You know, one time I was playing on the swing and the angels came and, and this beautiful angel put this little kind of, what would you call it? Just like a little, like a little diamond, it was snow white, you know, a little stone, you know, feather, you could call it anything. I couldn't quite make out. So sometimes these things, you have to kind of put a human name on them. But I remember when it went into the palm of my hand and, and looking at it and holding it out like this and, you know, it getting bigger and going up into the sky you know, and, and seeing the Queen of Angels and seeing her holding a child as well, you know, and at times, uh, you know, just looking down at me and just smiling. And this has happened on on many occasions as well. It's sometimes I do feel the stories run into each other in, in one sense. And um, I think we should all, in a sense, at different times, just like the Archangels, you know, just call on the angels to help us, you know, because we need help. And and God has been pouring down the unemployed angels still today. Like, 
um, as I would say, he, he's, God has shown me like as if he turns a bucket upside down and they come tumbling down. And just to see these angels tumbling down from the sky. <laughs> and as they get closer and close enough for me to see, um, how would I say, they're coming down like a ball. If you can imagine, they're rolled up like that. And, and, and they start to unroll, you know, if you can imagine, you know, and stand up and they're coming to earth. You know, they're here to help us. I love that image. That's beautiful. Let me jump back a minute and ask you, what would the relationship of the Queen of Angels have to Mary, Jesus' mother? That's it. The same, one and the same. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean that we have the capacity to become angels? Can humans become angels? Um, that's one question I, I I think is so, so beautiful. You know, a parent will say, you know, my child's an angel in heaven, or a husband or wife will say, my beautiful wife is an angel in heaven. Mm. Um, your child or your husband or wife or your friend is more than any angel ever could be because they have a soul, that spark of light of God. And I used to feel, what would you say, embarrassed in one sense when I would be, you know, asked about what are angels. And I was told to always repeat the same thing. Angels were created by God long, long, long ago. Um, but we ourselves are more than any angel ever could be. You are part of God. That's, you're a little piece of God that is so tiny, but yet so enormous. And that's another reason why the angels love to be around us. And another reason why we... You know, sometimes we can feel or hear the soul of a loved one. Mm. Or we recognize the signs. The angels often call them in. You know, someone that you love to be in and around you to help to get your attention. And that's because the soul lived in a human body for a period of time and loves you dearly. Nice. I, I want to ask you about um, the uh, joys and uh, sorrows of prophecy. Uh, when you were only 10, was that the angel Elijah showed you your redheaded Joe, the man you were going to marry and have children with? At 10, that's a hard thing to learn. And then on top of that, that he was going to die a young man. Uh, I... I I wonder, you know, um, I think in the book you say you're, it was too early. It was too much too soon to, to hear that and, was, and stayed with you forever. Ha, have you had um, other prophecies that give you that same um, trepidation? Um, yes, all, all the time I have been shown so many wonderful futures for the world. And mm. I would I would say so many because all those wonderful futures come together as one. And it's it's our choice 
it's our free will again. So I give out to God about, about that. So I, I know that we can make this world like a little glimpse of heaven. We can make this world just so, so beautiful, you know, for all of us in every single way. Mm-hmm. And, and that doesn't mean just, you know, this planet. It's all that God has given us. Um, and to me, that is is incredible. And yes, that that was one of the the first. Um, but God had shown me many different things about Joe that I would know, and even about my own children, and even in the sense of how how could I say it? Where I would be, like when 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 I was being shown from the time I was a child that. You know, I would write, I would give talks, you know, I would travel the world and, yeah. and the people would listen, but not all. And to me, I used to just say to God and sometimes the Archangel Michael go away, that's all crazy. I can't even read or write, you know, how on earth could that happen? And each time when things would unfold and to see it happening, like even, you know, the first book, Angels in My Hair and putting stuff on tape and, you know, then as as things unfolded and, and the publisher coming and it becoming a bestseller, you know, just my life has changed so much, but I just want to do what God has asked me to do and give the messages to you all. And I do pray that as many listen, because there is other things that I do. And what way will I put this? I'm being allowed to say it. The silent blessing I give. I can't tell you everything, but the silent blessing I give when someone stands in front of me, and now I have been doing it um, online as well, and I ask God, do they receive it? That's very important spiritually for mankind as well. Yes. Um, Here I'm saying to myself, what prophecy do you want to know? (laughs) (laughs) I would love to know that things turn out okay. We're facing such an environmental crisis at this time, and and so many egos are striving for power in the midst of uh, democracies that should work. Uh, there's so many things that we uh, mess up ourselves. Uh, this beautiful Garden of Eden that God gave us, this earth, is so incredibly lovely. And, and it breaks my heart sometimes to think of climate warming to the point where we can't restore things. If you have a prophecy that's this uh, gives hope to uh, to our future, to our children's future. I'd love to hear it. One, what I have been shown is that we do make this world like a little glimpse of heaven. We do save our planet. We do save ourselves, and and we grow spiritually. We change, and in in that one is where I saw the children cross the river without a bridge. You know? Oh, and. And others I was shown where, you know, moms and dads, everyone, you and I, you're whoever's there with you and you go into the into the room they're in, you will see their guardian angel and they will see yours. 
it's like communication will be so strong. But I know in the meantime, we are fighting each other. And even I was praying to God, you know, last night all about this, you know, when, when will mankind, when, when will mankind stop hurting ourselves? You know, why are we killing ourselves? Why are we fighting? Why are we doing all of these things? Um, but I do believe there is so many wonderful, good people out there that are reaching in spiritually to change, to make the difference. And at the moment, I think children are so open. You know, they're more open than what what adults think. Yes. You know, they're they're more open. Um, but we shouldn't be putting a big weight on their shoulders. It's like the older adult, you and me, and, you know, the generation that's a bit behind us and all of that. Um, we should be coming together as one and taking the steps. I know we still have time, but that time depends on how we get moving to make this world like a little glimpse of heaven, to come together as one. It's like we become you know, one nation. And even though lots of people will give out um, when I say this, but America has a huge role to play in this as well. You know, um, and, and I believe mankind can do it. I won't give up. You know, I'll keep hammering on the door, just like you're here to do the interview now. Um, so I know you will keep hammering on the door as well to to help to get the word out there. We can change. We yes. are not just human beings, but we're spiritual beings. Um, and we are incredible. You know, we, we don't realize how incredible we are and of all the things we can do. You know, I would love to share more, but I'm not being allowed. In that story, um... You said, look at a flower, or, and an angel opened Joe's eyes to see this energy rolling off of the flower, uh, the, way, the way heavenly flowers are seen. And I thought, if that's within the capacity of angels to give gifts of, of vision to ordinary doubting people like Joe was, then uh, couldn't their uh, cooperation enhance and speed up our learning, our ability to learn how things work, how the world of love really works. Yes, and the, the thing is they do every day, but in a sense we are, what would you say, closed. We're, we're afraid. Mm. We're kind of, you know, oh, I'll be only laughed at and jeered um, if I say to anyone, one thing that I always find amazing is that the angels are doing that all of the time, mm. you know, for all of us. And and you should ask your angel to help you. And, and, and at times when I have someone standing beside me and they, they say to me, Lorna, I would love to be able to see some energy physically, you know, and I say, okay, and I, I look around and I say, can you see the energy over there? And the amazing thing is that 
99.9% of people will kind of say, oh, God, yes. Uh-huh. I can see it. So and, all we have to do is tell them that, it, that their capacity to see it is there. And with that kind of encouragement. Yeah, it, it is there. And, and I, I suppose that's why, you know, that other miracle that I, I was shown, that other prediction, um, how would I say it, that I would have a place in Ireland, the sanctuary, um, so I can help people of all faiths, even those of none, everyone, to be able to open open up more. Mm-hmm. And I suppose one thing is to remember that the angels have always taught me everything out of nature. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's not something in, in a box. You know, you can be standing in front of someone and I could say to you, tell me what you see, open your eyes, allow allow your spiritual self to see through the eyes of your soul. You know, open open your eyes, allow it to happen. And it does happen for a lot of people. But I think what happens is, you know, when people go away, they kind of, well, I won't bother to see the energy there. I'm too busy now. I'm too caught up in the world and all those material things. And... Um, but I always find that sometimes when I'm out and I see children playing with energy, you know, and the parents are wondering, oh, they're just, you know, running their hand over that flower or that plant, or they're just, and they're actually playing with the energy. They're, they're enjoying it, you know, and many children would say to me, yes, they do see angels, but they are afraid to, to say it out loud again because they might be laughed at by other children who are in a sense through no fault of their own their their parents are and education is just saying everything has to be solid like the desk here in front of me the chair you're sitting on if it's not solid it's not real and of but, course it's not solid it's atoms that have yes huge spaces between them Yes, and I think science is learning a lot about it as well. Yes, I hope at some point that religion and science will converge on the truth, that they will, they're coming at it from different directions. But at some point, yeah. if it's truth, then it's going it, to be... It's going I, to be. I, believe, I believe it will. I'll let you in on a little secret. God has me working on that with someone else. Uh-huh. So that's... And, and, and when that book comes out and, and those theories come out, we let you know. <laughs> well, yes, you, time. we'll have to have you back on the show to yes. talk some more about that. Are your angels available right now? Would Michael or Hoses yes. like to say something Arch- to you? Well, I, I will let you ask Archangel Michael a question. And if he answers it, I will give it to you. Right. Well, I love... Archangel Michael. I chose Michael as my confirmation name when I was 12 years old. Why do you carry a sword? Why do you carry a sword? Just said to, how can I put it, to protect mankind. Is evil a a force to be reckoned with by weaponry? No. The force to reckon with evil is love. Yes. (laughs) Can Angel Michael be with you and with thousands of other people at the same time? 
Yes, and, and that is something that I find, you know, incredible. Archangel Michael can be standing beside me, spending time with me, and yet be with millions of people around around the world. But an archangel like Archangel Michael can't be anyone's guardian angel. The archangels are seemingly there for everyone equally. And many people of many different faiths, when they have a near-death experience, say that they meet Jesus. Can Jesus be with millions of people at the same, millions of souls who perhaps have passed yeah, on at like, the same time? Um, I, I know I have. I think I've written it in angels at my fingertips. I get mixed up, up book a little bit has gone into. <laughs> um, you know, your soul is that spark of light of God. God had shown me him creating a soul, taking a little piece and, and using the symbol of, of a human heart from his heart and putting it into the palm of his hand, you know, and and a growing. And that was incredible. You you are you are part of God. And I know mankind doesn't grasp that at the moment. But if you could just think about it, you know, your soul and and you go back to God, you go back to to what sometimes we call the creator, depending on what religion you are. It's the one God. Um, and, and I love that because that's, you know, one thing that worried me when I was you know, doing the recordings for the first book and everything like that. And as it was being typed out and just saying to, to God, I'm going to be ridiculed and laughed at. What am I to call you, you know? And am I to call you Jesus? Am I to call you Holy One? Am I to call you Lord? Just so many names I named out. And what surprised me when God turned around and said to me, Lorna, what do you call me? And I was so surprised. I just kind of looked. God, of course, what are you saying that for? You know, in that in that way. And he said, yes, call me God. Because the word God is universal. Everyone knows who you're talking about. And yet when people pray to the different names of God in the world, he hears all those prayers. He hears all those prayers. Prayers are so, so powerful. I always give the message that, you know, prayer can move mountains. We don't pray enough. We don't ask enough. You know, sometimes a prayer can be just the uttering of a word, help. It could be, you know, but it's like it It comes from your heart. It comes from every particle of you humanly and comes from your soul, like in, in one go. I, I, I try to describe that in so many different different ways, praying with every being of yourself. And that's when all of those waiting angels rush in yes. to, to help us. Isn't it? Yes. Tell us about um, your sanctuary project. Um, that, again, is one of those prophecies, as you called it, um, from the time I was a child, I'll skip loads of it, just being shown that this would happen. And of course, in one sense, humanly, I have to say this, I just kind of say to God, I don't believe a word of it. 
you know, with that in that way. Um, and and then when it it happened, um, it just blew me away. I always remember, you know, being shown these pillars, these gates. And then one time when, before Joe died, you know, driving down to here where I am now, where I live now in the old farmhouse. And Archangel Michael was standing at these two pillars. And he just said, you know, this is it. You know, this would be the place. And I always remember Joe reaching out. He was driving, reaching out and touching me and saying, are you okay? Um, and I said, yeah, fine. You know, just passed it off. And every time we passed those two pillars, that gate, there was always angels standing there. But I have to say, I never put two and two together. I I was busy, you know, and <laughs> um, Joe wasn't well. I was rearing children um, and years and years and years passed and, and Joe had died and, and skipping lots more of the story. Um, just this person I met, I was giving a talk um, and they had come to the talk, a husband and wife, and the wife was waving, you know, to ask, so she could ask her a question. And eventually, I already knew, I have to say, that the couple in the audience had something to tell me, but I was afraid of it. I'm always afraid, you know, I'm shy that, that way, one step gentle in that way. And when I said, okay, you ask your question, um, she said, oh, no, I don't want to ask a question. My husband has a question for you. And he asked the question. I can't tell you what that is, um, but seemingly I answered. I gave him the right answer. And again, it took, you know, this is God's, you know, unfolding it. It took years for him and his wife to find a contact, to contact us. And that's a real long story as well. And I was given it a gift. So I'm blown away in that sense. But it's it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the world. And it is to help to teach you and everyone out there just to take that next step spiritually and um, for you to allow the angels to open your eyes for you to allow yourself to see through the eyes of your soul you're not just a human being and it's a project in what would you say um i i don't know how to say but in in on Undoing, unfolding, yeah. Ongoing, um, evolving. Yeah. Um, and, and, so we, we need plenty of help. Yeah, I was going to say that was my next question. Yeah. How could um, listeners find out more about your project, Sanctuary, and how they could contribute to it? Um, I, I think how they can find out is, you know, go online, go onto the website, and they will see the word sanctuary. There'll be other things as well. Yes. Um, because of your children's foundation as well. Um, and there they they will learn about it. And I'm very shy to talk about it. You've, you know, done, even you've done today, beautifully. <laughs> because 
in in a sense, how can I say, it doesn't belong to me. One thing that God had told me, and between God and myself, we agreed that I would only say this number, that if mankind responds properly to it, it'll still be there in 300 years time. And then you can go a stretch. That's the way I put it in that in that way. And I always remember God saying to me so many, many times that many are called, few are chosen. And a lot of those few that are chosen say no. Most of them say no. But that couple said yes. I'm very shy to talk about it, to be honest. Lorna, you've explained it beautifully. And I think enough to provoke folks who are curious to follow through and, and, and check out your website. Okay. Lorna, we are pretty much out of time, but before we go, I'd, I'd like to thank your daughter, Pearl, and your other daughter who came and helped with the technology. What's her name? Aideen. And also uh, my associate producer, Lilia Samoylo, who is, um, who has, I mean, made this interview possible. Yeah. And so I, I'm very grateful to her for that. And most of all, I'm grateful to you, Lorna, for sharing your incredible NDE stories and your uh, angel experiences with us. So tell your listeners where they can find your books. And um, uh, Well, I Pearl told me to, don't forget to mention, she said, you know, you're doing an online course with um, the Open Center on the 17th of July, but I'm actually going to America, to New York, and I'm going to be in person at the Omega on the 24th and the 22nd and the 24th in New York, if I pronounce that properly. And then I will be going to, what's it, The Art of Living, North Carolina on oh. the 29th and the 31st of October. So I'm doing live events. Mm-hmm. In, in those two places. So if anyone wants to come and see me in person, that's as much as I know. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you and all your, your listeners. And I'm looking forward to meeting you all again in person, not yes. just online. Well, person. if not in America, then in Ireland, I'd love to come over sometime. Yes, yes. I've not been there before. <laughs>